Hi, I'm a Wilkes. I'm a Nelson. I'm a Grop. And I'm a Spute. And we call ourselves the Wings. It's an acronym. We are just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our families, friends, and all who wish to join with us. So welcome to our podcast conversation, Under His Wings. Hi, welcome back today. We just thought because Mother's Day is coming up, we would like to talk a little bit about motherhood, because I think we're all mothers, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I love this quote by Heber J. Grant. It says, Motherhood is near to divinity. It is the highest and holiest service to be assumed by mankind. It places her who honors its calling, holy calling, and service next to the angels. Do you feel like angels? (laughs) Not today. (laughs) There are days. when, when When that first baby came out and they put him in my arms, yes. And then, yeah, after a few months, not so much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess every time, every time the baby comes and you hold him in your arms, you feel like very angelic. Well, like you're holding a little piece of heaven for Mm -hmm. sure. Oh, I just, I know. I love that thought of, I mean, it really does feel like you're so close to heaven those first couple of days with the newborn, you know, until they learn to talk. Yes. And, and you know what? I think for me, Motherhood, I, let's just change that. Grandmotherhood is near to divinity. I feel like that's when I really have caught the understanding of how important motherhood is. I know I, I didn't always get excited about Mother's Day when I was struggling with infertility. Mother's Day was a painful holiday for me, and I would try to forget myself and just focus on my mom and my husband's mother and do nice things for them but I remember it being painful so we recognize there are some listening that this topic might be a little bit difficult for and I I found a quote that I like from Sherry L. Dew she she said for reasons known to the Lord some women are required to wait to have children this delay and disappointment is not easy for any righteous woman But the Lord's timetable for each of us does not negate or somehow change or cancel out our very nature. Some of us, then, must simply find other ways to mother. And all around us are those who need to be loved and led, nurtured and mentored. In other words, the spiritual rewards of mothering are available to all. Um, Tyler just said to me this weekend, Tyler's my oldest, and I... We always seem to have extra kids living with us, and <laughs> and my kid, my son, just said, "Mom, I can see when when all your kids are gone, you're going to have like a, a a home for wayward children." <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "That's a great idea." <laughs> of course, Scott didn't think that was a great, idea, a great idea, but <laughs> you know, but but yeah. Well, I think it's true. Those who can't be mothers or those whose motherhood hasn't happened yet have such a great experience to be an influence. Mm -hmm. And and even those who've sent theirs away um, and are done, they have that opportunity to be a huge influence in the world. My oldest right now is helping so many. She doesn't have any children. She's not married yet. But she... um, is is being a light to the world and is able to kind of mother people back to a healing stage in her her life too. I know that with Sherry, I remember watching you struggle. Um, my daughter Brienne was born before. I mean, she was the one that was the oldest of all of us. And I know that 
it was a challenge as we watched and wanted, as we watched how great you were with Brienne and how much you wanted children yourself and the struggles that you had. I think about your life and it is an amazing story. I really, really want you to share your, your motherhood journey and how you became a mom. Okay. So I'm sorry, I'll apologize now that you'll have to hear me talk through a good deal of this podcast if I'm going to do that. But I think, um, yeah, when I look at the way the Lord built my family, I can testify that our God is definitely a God of miracles. And I've seen many, many in my lifetime. And um, yeah, we were all lucky to find really good men that we we married, didn't we? Yes. We're all very blessed that way. And um, I I found the man of my dreams. And I remember, for me, the first year of marriage was better than I ever even dreamed of. And um, that's, that's rare, actually. The uh, first yeah. year is sometimes hard for people. But uh, I, yeah, I, I know, heard people say, say that. that. But I wasn't was pleasantly surprised yeah. as to how wonderful yeah. marriage actually was. Um, but it was about 10, 11 months in when I got up one early one morning to go to the bathroom and had such excruciating pain that I passed out. And I remember crawling back to the bed, and um, I told my husband about it when he woke up, and he was worried that I might pass out again. So we called my mom and asked her to come and stay with me for the day while he went to work. And and um, it was painful, but I made it through the day just fine. And But I remember when he came home, he wanted me to lay down with him next to the bed and watch something on on the TV, and I did, and... I had such excruciating pain, it felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. At the time, I didn't know it, but I had blood. I was bleeding internally, so the blood was filling up my chest cavity. And that pressure on my lungs wouldn't allow me to take a breath. He could tell by the look of fear on my face, I needed some help. So he grabbed me and helped me set up, which then the blood then rushed down into the lower part of my body, and I was able to take that breath again. And, of course, then he took me immediately to the the emergency room, and that's where we found out that I was pregnant, and it was an ectopic pregnancy. What's so they, that mean? The um, pregnancy was in the fallopian tube and instead of in the uterus where it belonged, and so they rushed me by a- ambulance to a different hospital and performed emergency surgery and then removed one of those fallopian tubes. Um, and and that, was, that was a struggle just because I was in the middle of college, but professors were really great about giving me some extra time um, for healing and getting back into it. And and then we'd been married long enough at that point, we decided we were ready to start our family. So we started trying to get pregnant again. So it took about a year um, before I found out that I was pregnant again, and I was in the middle of doing my student teaching. I remember that. Yeah, yeah we were doing that together, student teaching. Yeah. yeah. And um, this time, uh, the pregnancy, we knew I was pregnant, and, well, actually, my husband didn't. I did. I remember ordering a pizza and putting a binky on top for him and <laughs> having it delivered to our house and him being so excited. And and um, then we went in for that first doctor's appointment, and they couldn't see a heartbeat. And um, they did further testing and could see that that pregnancy as well was in the fallopian tube. My other one, you have two. This time it had not burst yet, so they were able to do emergency surgery again, remove the pregnancy, and try. They were able to save the tube um, and try to stitch it back up, but they told me that they gave me about 
Oh, a less than 5% chance of ever being able to have kids because a fallopian tube is actually about the size of a pencil lead. So as you can imagine, doing surgery on that and stitching it up, most likely scar tissue would block that fallopian tube. They said it, it my doctor told me he couldn't find it anywhere um, written down that anybody had ever documented. had to document it, that's the word, and then went on to have kids. But oh. So I remember feeling pretty discouraged, um, something that I had always thought would be the next step after marriage um, might not be a possibility, but I remember holding on to the hope um, of some words of my patriarchal blessing and hoping that someday we could, but knowing that we needed to do what we could do, and that was to move forward with adoption. We'd prayed about that and decided that felt right, that the Lord wanted us to um, look into that. You know, one thing I remember, Cher, is thinking about, because that was Dr. Coleman, and right. he was my doctor, and he's long since retired. And um, But I just remember thinking how wonderful it was that he was a man that would go to the lengths to save your fallopian tube, even knowing that chances were so minimal were so minimal that he would that it would even work i just always remembered thinking how beautiful that was and how grateful i was that he was my doctor as well as your doctor yes i was so grateful that he went to those lengths absolutely because even though it was, he gave me a less than five percent chance there was still that chance it still gave me that hope that maybe someday um, but I remember one day watching an Oprah, and it was on adoption, and it was about open adoption. And I, because back then, 30 years ago, rarely was it open. It was generally, you know, babies were placed, names were not exchanged, it was all done through agencies or whatever. And I remember thinking, well, that's kind of an interesting concept. And And now looking back, I know it was the Lord's way of preparing me for the experience I was about to have. And um, during that time, you know, we had to wait. And I remember that that monthly roller coaster ride that so many, like your daughter and others, I'm sure, were experiencing the hope of maybe this month I'm pregnant and then the disappointment, the hope for two weeks and then the disappointment for two weeks. But um, I should also say that, that during that time, I I made a promise to the Lord that I would take as many children as he wanted to, to me to in whatever way and it, whatever time he wanted me to do that. Wow. Wow, wow. Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> what Be a careful way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, my husband one night had a dream, and in that dream he was in the hospital, and I had just had a baby. And that baby communicated to him that I needed to or we needed to adopt a baby first before this child could come to earth. And so the very next day, we got a phone call from a friend of ours who had a young, one of her young women in her ward at church in her class was expecting. And the family that she had chosen to adopt her baby had decided to use their money for other things. They were in California and wanted to try some more things to try to have a, a biological child. And so she was feeling a little bit panicked and desperate. I mean, six weeks away. Um, and so she started interviewing couples here locally. And I think it was because I'd seen that Oprah. It was the first time that my mind was open adoption. to the possibility of an open adoption. 
And so we met with her and we're thrilled when she chose us. And I remember pacing the floor at home when I knew she was in labor and at the hospital and having the baby. And I thought, this is what an expectant father feels like, you know. (laughs) And I remember then bringing him home from the hospital and tears of joy. That's the first time I can remember crying, tears of joy. I'd always heard about that, but had never oh, wow. experienced it. But I, just oh. the joy of finally, oh, being a mother. Oh, you were so radiant. Oh, I was I just so that happy. Time so much. So happy. And he was about 10 days old when I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> and that was a big surprise, a, a pleasant surprise. We were excited but nervous. Was this another ectopic? Was See, this and you okay? didn't tell anybody for a no, long time. because so I, I didn't just, know it was that close after yeah, you brought Chris Yeah, home, he was just but... 10 days old. And, um, of course, the doctors got us right in because we're considered high risk and found the baby and the heartbeat and the uterus. And oh. so what a miracle to um, have that experience and that's why Cindy was born eight and a half months later. <laughs> well how awesome that you followed Craig's dream and did what that dream said to be able to have that miracle. And who's to say if that wouldn't have happened that way yeah. had you not right had faith and trust in that dream. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Cool. And so at about fifteen weeks I went in for one of my regular appointments and um the doctor checked me and he I could tell by the look on his face, he's like, oh, you're 90% effaced and dilated to a one. And and he knew that my my cervix, I had a hooded cervix, so that it would be weak. Um, that's why he was checking me at that point. He's like, we've got to get you in immediately for a cerclage. So they went in and stitched my um, cervix shut and put me on bed rest for the rest of my pregnancy. And gratefully... Well, with a not 10-day-old baby anymore, but <laughs> with yes, a little tiny baby. baby. Yeah, a little baby that was four months old. But gratefully, my mother was able to come every day and help with um, Christopher, my oldest, who was just four months at the time, and take care of him because I the only thing I was allowed to do was get up and go to the bathroom and or make myself a piece of toast, but nothing longer, he said. That was it. So for the next four and a half months... I spent a lot of time on that couch and chair and in bed. And 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 I remember being over there, and what a blessing that Christopher was such a mellow baby. I mean, he was so sweet. And I remember him laying, just laying there, just being so sweet and quiet, and you were laying on the couch dutifully. Yes, for hours sometimes. He would just sit right by me and play. And, yep, the Lord knew what we needed. So gratefully, um, Cindy then was born full term. We were able to get her that far, and and um, I remember that first, that next Christmas, having those two babies under the Christmas tree for some pictures. And I thought, I don't need anything else in the world but oh. these two babies. I was so happy, and and felt so blessed. And then um, a couple, well, I think only about a year went by. We had moved homes, and that's when we all started, at least the Wilkes and, and um, Sputes and Grobs started doing family home evenings together and different things with with our little ones. And I remember Craig at, was in the middle of trying to get his master's degree and working full-time, and I remember him saying to me one night, oh, I think 
another baby would probably be good in mm, a year and a half, two years. <laughs> and uh -oh. because we were also just debating on starting to build a home and yeah, and little did he know I just found out that morning I was pregnant. <laughs> I was thinking in my mind, mm, it's not going to be a year and a half or two years. Yeah. And so, but I was a little concerned about what his reaction was going to be. So I called Jerry and told Jerry, my best friend. So when, yep. what did she say to me? Guess what? I'm pregnant too. <laughs> now, how do we tell our husbands? <laughs> yes. Because yeah, my baby came. I mean, they're they're only 18 months apart, and this was number two, so it was it was quick. And then, yep. And then I was pregnant, and you were pregnant, aren't they? Isn't it CJ? CJ and Travis. Travis. Yeah. And Austin. And, and Austin and, and oh, Kaylee. Kaylee. <laughs> Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's pregnant too. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> is, is CJ the oldest out of all of them or no? I think, I'm yeah, trying to remember. Yeah. So we found out first, and then you guys found so out. So he was born when? Because you're May, and Travis and August. CJ were August, August. and September. What year? Oh, so you guys, yeah. Uh, so, 92. 92, yeah. Yeah. Austin's April. Yeah. 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 So, so you two had yours really close. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember going to lunch, one oh, of us, and putting all four babies were... in the carrier right. seat in the windows yeah, yeah. at Rocky's Diner. Oh, that's oh, right. Wow. Yeah. So it was at Go Austin, then Kaylee, then... Ours was born in CJ. 91, right? Oh, 91, that's why. Yeah, okay, 91. CJ, then yep. Travis. Yep. Anyway, yeah, so it was so fun to all four of us to have babies that year. But, yeah, I remember Jerry and I, we decided, well, if we're in a public place and if we're together, our husbands can't be too upset, so let's make this really fun. And we put together a scavenger hunt, and they went to different places all over the town, and we had them end up at Sizzler where we were waiting with dinner and... <laughs> As gross as this sounds now, I don't no. even know. Do I share it? <laughs> we had wrapped the results of our pregnancy test in the silverware. Oh, no. in, the <laughs> in the napkin with the silverware so that when they opened up the, the napkin That's to get their silverware, <laughs> there was the yeah. pregnancy oh, surprise. I remember that. Oh, you guys. <laughs> And, and what was their reaction? So <laughs> they didn't yell. No. <laughs> they were kind of surprised, but and, I think also they smiled. They surprised together. Yeah. 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 So, well, that was fun. But that pregnancy ended up being just as challenging as the first one. So by about 13 weeks, they went in and did a surclage and um, put me on medication so I wouldn't go into labor and also on bed rest. Um, but like I said, my husband was working full-time, also going to school at BSU to get his master's, and we had recently started building our first home. So it was tough. And my mom came as often as she could, almost daily, but there was an hour or two every morning where we just had to make do. Um, but I remember one afternoon, the doorbell went, rang. My mom wasn't there for some reason, so I got up to get the doorbell, and my water broke when oh. I was 30 weeks along. So that's when I, you know, we went into the, the hospital and they put me on medication to try to help his lungs develop quicker and, and put me down on bed rest. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember making a visit. Mm -hmm. I think to the it, hospital. Yeah, Friday well, I night. I remember, you were yeah. there for a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was in for three weeks and you guys I would know. occasionally come up and visit me and help me pass that time. And 
But I remember that um, for a few days I felt him move less and less, and I started to become a little concerned and and started praying about it and was feeling the Spirit was saying, it's time, it's time. And gratefully, like you'd mentioned, Jerry, Dr. Col Coleman knew how to listen to the Spirit. And being LDS, he he came in that afternoon to check on me and, um, after church, went, and he said, you've been on my mind all day. I think it's time that oh, wow. we take this baby. So I went in that afternoon, and he said there happens to be an opening in the surgery center, and we went in, and, and he was born C-section. That was the second time I cried tears of joy. Wow. <laughs> Just that relief yeah. of he was here, and he was screaming. He was alive, right? And he was so, so tiny. Yeah. So little. I don't think that's so the first little. time I'd ever seen a baby yeah. so tiny. Yeah, just just four pounds. Oh, wow. But he was born with three different types of pneumonia, so he was a very sick little baby. I remember that they let me kiss his cheek, and then they whisked him off to the, what is it, NICU? NICU. Yeah. yeah, NICU, NICU, yeah. And, um, and put him on ventilators, and... And for about four days, um, he just seemed to get more and more sick. I couldn't touch him. Every time I'd even touch him, his uh, blood pressure would skyrocket, and they were feeding him with a tube and using the ventilator to help him breathe. And we called our bishop to tell him what was going on, and that's when they decided to do a ward fast for him. I remember doing yeah, that. We did that. And... Um, and then I remember he, the bishop calling us and telling us that you guys were meeting together as a ward to break mm -hmm. the fast and, and said a prayer. And it was amazing that an hour after that happened, the doctor checked on him and said he'd finally turned the corner and they were able to start reducing the amount of oxygen mm -hmm. that he was receiving. So I know there again, another miracle you know, and what a blessing to have so many fasting and praying for us. And the Lord had answered our, our fasting and prayer with a miracle. And, and he just started getting better and better from then on. I think he was in a couple of weeks. They told us to expect six. Um, he's born without a sucking reflex. But quickly then, once he started getting better, that started to develop. And, and I think we brought him home like two and a half weeks later. So. I know, and we have little pictures of Travis and CJ, because Travis or CJ was this teeny tiny baby, and Travis was this eight pound, eight ounce baby, you know, and and just to see the difference. And actually, actually, Travis was supposed to be born yep, first. He was, yeah, but CJ was ended like up being older. Yeah, uh -huh. yep. And now, and then we had those pictures, and man, CJ grew. So oh, fast, and I then all, pretty soon they were both the same size, and now CJ's bigger. <laughs> yeah, I think within four months you would have had yeah. no idea that he was that a preemie. Was a preemie. Oh. No, none. Yeah, and and I remember the doctors telling me, "Okay, you need to be done. If you know you pushed your luck, you've had your your miracles, and to get pregnant again is just going to put your life at risk as well as that of the babies. That my cervix was only going to get weaker and weaker." And that the babies would most likely come sooner and sooner because that's what their experience had well, shown them. You had to have a stitch every single time. Right. And so that has to be. And each time you're stretched out, stretched right? Out, right. And yeah. So, but I remember thinking, oh, I was disappointed, but so grateful for the ones that we had. But I remember a couple of years later, 
I mean, of course, at the time, Jerry, do you remember me yes, coming down I to your house? I, <laughs> I had those three kids and three under three years old. Yeah. Chris wasn't quite three when um, CJ was born, and I, I was... Yeah, oh, you were done. You were done. You're I, like, I was Jerry, you're so going to probably, you, you'll probably have a lot of kids, but I'm three. Three is my max. I yes. am done. <laughs> I remember right where I was sitting in your house saying, there is no way. I'm at my limit. <laughs> I'm sure Heavenly Father must have been laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at, oh, yes, you just wait. You're not even halfway, honey. <laughs> oh. You don't even know your limit. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought I was done, and I was completely happy with those three miracles. And But as time went on, I remember, oh, two, two and a half years later, those impressions started coming, and I started to feel the spirit sometimes in my home that I felt was a baby waiting, wanting to come, and, and starting to think, oh, I think we got to consider this again. I think there's somebody waiting to come to our home. I, I really feel just time and time again that the Lord wanted us to have another baby. But I was a little bit nervous. But I thought, you know, the doctors are telling me one thing. And I'm not saying you should not listen to your doctors. Right. But I also believe that if the Lord wants you to do something, You'll you go forward way. and do it. Right. And so that's what we decided that we would just put our trust in the Lord, and and that's when Cody was conceived, and that um, that was a miracle too. I mean, it just took a miracle to get me pregnant, a miracle to stay pregnant, and I remember early on in the pregnancy, we um, Craig gave me a blessing with our stake patriarch, who was also in the ward and a good friend of ours, and. Um, Craig said that he felt a literal power go through his hands into my head at that time. And um, I sometimes wonder if I was completely healed at that point but didn't know it. But the doctor said, you know, you seem strong enough. I'm going to let you sit. You can be up sitting four or five hours a day instead of complete bed rest. And then if you show signs of dilation or labor, we'll put you down on total bed rest. But, oh, what a blessing that was to be able to be up and to be able to sit mm -hmm. and do things at the table or, you know, sew or crochet or whatever. And I remember going on a trip with, with you, Michael and Marlene. We had a van that we could lay completely flat, That's the back right. seats, yeah. so I could lay down whenever we were traveling. And then we had a wheelchair that that I could sit in. Yeah. Was it Utah? Yeah. Yeah. We went to Utah to go to go um to dinner. We went to the Legacy up above oh, Legacy yeah. Theater and Joseph Smith building. Well we were running late, so we hadn't gotten to the stairs yet. And here Craig is um wheeling you in the wheelchair and because we were running late you just got up out of the wheelchair and walked up the stairs <laughs> while he carried the wheelchair, and we we're all cracking up and looking at this situation. Yes, <laughs> it was so funny. I thought you said you were gonna that Michael and Craig carried her up oh, the stairs with the wheelchair. Oh, she just got out and started walking. Gave up all walking. And then I'll get right back down. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Cody was then born full term, which. Was another miracle. Yeah, another miracle and blessing. And um, I remember going to the the temple a year or so after Cody was born with Craig's family, and we were doing 
family history work there in the temple, and we did some baptisms and some sealings. But during the um, baptisms, one time when Craig was baptizing another family member, he was baptizing somebody with the first name of Catherine. And I remember receiving a very strong impression, you will have another little girl, and her name is to be Catherine. And um, afterwards, as we were sitting in the little waiting room, we'd gotten dressed and we're waiting for everybody else to join us. Um, I said to Craig, I, I think I know what our next baby's name is supposed to be. And he looked at me and he said, is it Catherine? Uh. <laughs> he had received that same impression. And so um, as time went by, we kind of waited and, and um, you know, no pregnancy was coming. And so we weren't sure what we were supposed to do. And, and over time, we started feeling like we were supposed to adopt again. Those those thoughts and impressions kept coming to our heart and mind. And and so we prayed and fasted about that, and that felt right. So we decided to move forward um, with an adoption, and we found an agency that was willing to work with us, even though we had four kids. Um, they were willing to work with us, which was kind of unusual. Yeah, they usually have a limit of yeah, two. Yeah, two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that we chose to go with that agency, and we started our home study and did all the paperwork. And we would go to the temple each month and ask the Lord if the timing was right. We knew we were supposed to adopt, but we wanted to make sure the timing was right. Uh, but month after month, we would go and feel like, nope, not yet, nope, not yet. And so we just just didn't submit our papers as we waited. Well, in the meantime... We found this home. We weren't looking for another home. We knew we could get one more child in the home in which we were living, and we loved our brand-new home. Um, we'd only been in there a few years, and we were living by some of our closest friends, and and it just felt perfect. We loved it. But one of Craig's students had called and said, Hey, we've got this, this home across town that, that we've heard of, and you should stop and check it out. And we were over on that side of town for a baptism anyway. We thought, ah, oh, why not? So we stopped, and the doors were unlocked which was crazy. So we walked through the house and looked at it and like, wow, this is, you know, twice, almost three times the home that we have right now. And, hmm, you know, it kind of felt, it was one of those things where we were like, we're not looking to move, but there's something about this we felt drawn to. And so we decided to go ahead and just make a really low ball offer. It was a bank repo. And um, so they already had it tens of thousands under what it normally would be, but we decided to go even lower than that, kind of leave it in the Lord's hands, put it at at, uh, the amount we could afford, right? And surprisingly enough, they (laughs) accepted that offer. And so then we had to pray about it, you know, is this right for us? And we knew that it was. We weren't sure why, but we knew what it was, which... To be honest, kind of broke my heart to be leaving my and mine. <laughs> so you moved over closer to me, though. Yeah, exactly. We sure did, which was good. But um, at the time, we didn't know why. Now we do. Looking back, we'd been in. We were in that home about two months when we went to the temple and got the green light. Yeah, it was time. It's time to submit those papers and. I, within six weeks, we had Curtis in our home. There was a mother that chose our family because she wanted a family with, she already had five kids from, you know, um, one man. And this, this Curtis had a different father, and she wanted her baby to go into a large family. And so we brought home Curtis. He was our first child of African-American 
um, decent. So we had a little diversity in the home, and um, but it wasn't that baby girl I was expecting. <laughs> no, nope. Name Curtis Catherine. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and he wasn't even a year old when I went in one night to tuck him into bed and had this strong. I don't know the impressions, the word mini vision. I don't even know what to call it, a day vision. I don't know. It was very brief, but I could see the room filled with little kids. Another crib and beds, and this room filled with little kids, in it, and I just knew there was more, that um, there was others out there waiting that needed us and were meant for our home. And so I started doing my own networking because I knew there was no way we could afford another adoption through an agency. We just didn't have the money. And so I started searching on the Internet. We had a current home study, so I started sending that out to different social workers in different states, and they would send us lots of um, profiles of children, adoptable children, and We'd look at them, read through them, pray about them, and time and time again, it just didn't feel right. And so we turned down um, several. But uh, one day we got a phone call from somebody, an email actually, saying from some friends they were aware of these three little boys um, that were in South Carolina that needed a home and wanted us to look and consider them. And at the time I thought, three, there's no way. <laughs> Curtis was almost one, Cody was five, I was thinking we'd adopt one, maybe two, maybe two, and the only reason we were considering two was because all of the profiles that the social workers were sending us were usually sibling sets, because they're, they get adopted less quickly than the single ones do, um, and so we thought, well, maybe two, you know, they can fit in between the one and five-year-old, and um, so the three was kind of overwhelming, but I went ahead and read through it and called and talked to the lawyer that they were living with, and there again just felt that spiritual pull, you know, that it just kind of felt right. This was something we needed to consider, and so we did, and I remember getting up in the middle of the night one night when I couldn't sleep and praying about it. Heavenly Father, we need to know, are these our boys? Because she was getting... Um, this lawyer was getting ready to split them up and um, put them up for adoption separately. And it was it was a really uh, special, sacred experience. But it, w it was as if the, the room, whole room filled with light. And I knew, yes, these were the boys that the Lord intended, that we needed them and they needed us, and um, that I was supposed to be their mother. So I remember when I first heard you were, possibly going to be adopting three and how you said that you were hoping that your youngest would stay the youngest yeah. and how those three boys fit right in between yep. Cody <laughs> Five and, and one. <laughs> Curtis. I was like, oh Five, man, four, how much more clear could that be? <laughs> right. And I went, okay, so she really is knowing what she's doing. She, the Lord knows what he's doing. I think a lot of people really question though. I yeah. mean, well, of course. I, yeah, I, mean, I had, don't mean to be rude, but I kind of did. I, was I, like, I think everybody that? did. I mean, we had five. And I mean, that was the time I was struggling with depression and so was on medication for that. And we all know that when life is overwhelmingly stressful, that makes it even more difficult for somebody with a mental illness. Yeah. But um, yeah, but when you know, you know, you know, and it was like, I know everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I know this is what the Lord wants me to do. I remember I you telling to me do this. she's sure. 
because I did. I said, what? I didn't know that. And you said, no, Connie, she is sure. And, and I remember, well, okay. And I trust, you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, okay, well, I yeah. have no opinions then. <laughs> no, yeah. I, mean, I know. I was, we were, I was right there with you just looking at those, all that paperwork and seeing those boys. It was so fun. Yeah. And we knew then, oh, this is why we're in this big house, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is why the Lord moved us here. We weren't sure how we were going to pay for it. It was going to be $30,000 and that just seemed like wow. what, how, what. There again, we just had to go and do, move forward in faith, knowing the Lord would help us figure it out, put it on credit cards is what we did originally. And then in time, just we were, oh, we have 70000 instant equity from this home. Right. We'll so just such borrow. a good deal, and then you yes. were able to do that. Wow. Yeah, so yes. the Lord provided, right? We were able to take out, figure it out, and do it that way. Um, But... That still wasn't our baby girl. (laughs) (laughs) Three little boys. (laughs) No, we had eight kids. But I remember life was pretty overwhelming as we helped these little boys who were struggling from separation anxiety. I couldn't even leave the room, let alone the house, for months without them melting down and being in such fear that they were going to be left again. Um, So it was about, mm, I think we'd had them home maybe three months or so. When, well, let me back up here a minute. After we brought them home, a couple of weeks after, I remember Craig saying, okay, this is, this is it. If we ever have another one, I get to decide who, where, when, what, you know, because I think we're done because life was a little bit overwhelming. But I remember kind of chuckling and laughing and, and knowing that we still had that baby girl out there and that the Lord would decide when yeah. this next one came. Yeah. And so they'd been home three, four months when, when I'd found out I was pregnant again. And so there's seven years in between my two biological Cody and the last little one. And I'd had a couple of miscarriages, but this time it was a viable pregnancy and I remember questioning the Lord and thinking, why, why right now? You know, <laughs> I'm just trying to, to get my feet under me with all these little ones um, and helping them with their struggles. And I remember thinking, there's no way I can go back on bed rest right now. These little boys cannot be farmed out, and I cannot expect my mother to come every day and help with these eight children. She's getting older, and that just isn't possible you know, for her. What are we going to do? And, um, a miracle. I, I did have the cerclage, but I did not have to be put on bed rest. The Lord knew what, what I needed, what those boys needed. And I was able to be up and on my feet and have a normal pregnancy without medication to stop contractions or anything. And, um, that's when our Catherine joined us. We got our, our little girl and she was full term and our ninth baby and, Again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that's kind of that's that's my story of of how God can work miracles in our life. And at you know at that point we thought our family was complete. We were blessed with nine beautiful children in less than twelve years. And we were in that big home. We added five children to our family within two years of being in that home. Um, and we raised them as a pack and, and had a great time together. A lot of crazy times, but great times. 
Um, but then about 10 years later, we were blessed with the opportunity to raise Bentley, our first grandson. We brought him home the day he was born. And I can honestly say he's the only one that I didn't see coming. <laughs> but that is a story for another day. And I, I just want to finish today by saying that I know that our God lives and that he is a God of miracles. He can and will do a great and marvelous work in each of our lives if we will but follow his plan for us. My family is evidence of this. He took me, a woman with less than a 5% chance uh, of ever having children and made me the mother of 10. I love each of those children with all of my heart and consider them, along with my husband, to be my greatest blessings. I look forward to the adventures we will have together through the eternities, meaning my children and with each of you. And we look forward to that too. Absolutely. You are a miracle. And it's kind of fun to think we're all moms, and it's a miracle that we're together. Whether you're too. a mother, whether you're an aunt, a sister, a friend, you are. You're amazing. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. And so until next time. We hope you'll all stay safely under his wings.